In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Listen, man. Listen, man. We are here. We are here in Casa La Green Ring. Yeah, a rare Tanner's House record. How do you say ring in Spanish? Dude, you're the one taking Spanish lessons. No, don't look it up. Seriously, don't look it up. No one cares. No one cares. Like, they can look it up for themselves. If they wanted to know how to say ring in Spanish, they would be looking it up already instead of listening to a nice podcast that they like. Bienvenidos uh-huh. in Casa de Anillo Verde. Verde. Good. Very cool. Welcome to Tanner Green Ring's house. Where we are having our second day in a row. Yeah, because Jack decided to go away to, for a beach weekend next To Sea week. City, New Jersey. You're essentially going to Sea City, New Jersey. I'm essentially going to Sea City, New Jersey. Um, I wonder if I will be afflicted with boy crazy. <laughs> Seems unlikely. Season's unlikely. Yeah. It's not really beach season. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the middle mid-October. of the fall. Yeah. yeah. Um, you never know. Yeah. Uh, but we did we did read a book about a young lady and another young lady and another young lady and a family of eight. Yep, who and went a to, young man and another young man. We'll and get another young man. We'll get to that. Yeah, my friend. But first, hi hi, hey yo. <laughs> uh oh, it's catching. It's a catchphrase. And welcome to the Babysitters Club Club, a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I. Tanner, Anil, De Verde. <laughs> yep. Talk about the classic American novels of Princeton's own Princess Annabelle Matthews Martin, the Magnificent, first of her name, last of her kind, and last hope for humankind, the great. Stormborn. <laughs> good you're on board yeah good i told you last week i'm just gonna keep i'm gonna add to it too <laughs> great and then when it becomes 20 of 45 minutes <laughs> you're gonna change your tune um for new baby bees that is the full title of Ann m martin the author of the babysitter cycle yep and what we do here is we read a book come rain or shine Every week. From that cycle. Every week, except mm-hmm. this week. Where we read two. Yeah. Day, day after day. And except next week. Yeah, where we're, we're reading read zero. <laughs> good, good, good. What we read this week, Tanner, was a book that is as close as a book can come to a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. There were ups, there were downs, there were highs, there were lows, there were passionate arguments. Yep. And it's also the first sequel in the Baby's Club it's not, well, cycle. Yes. It's, a, it's very much a sequel. This book, which let's just say the name of it for the love of God, was Marianne and Too Many Boys. Yep. And it's a sequel, a direct spiritual heir, if you will, to a Boy Crazy Stacy. Right. Uh, Stacy and Marianne. a little ripped off at first. Yeah. It's like Stacy and Marianne are going to Sea City, New Jersey to be mommy's helpers for the Pike family. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> they revisit the scene of the crime. I thought maybe for a second I had like precognition. I was like, why do I know this so well? Yeah. 
but it turns out we've actually already read a book about that. And now we've got another one. Pretty lazy, Anne. No, I strongly disagree. Wait, what book number is this? This is book number 34. That's it? No, 35 is the last one. Oh, okay. And then that's it. We're out. And then we're done. Sorry, Baby Nation. And so we've come to the end of the road. Still actually, I can't. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, what you know, whatever. An announcement. We're going to keep probably going to keep reading past the the thirty five canonical Ann M. Martin penned <laughs> babysitters club so. books. <laughs> Good luck finding a co-host. <laughs> uh, we'll see if they get significantly worse. Yeah. After thirty five, we will reconsider. But listen, we should talk about this book that we read, Marianne and Too Many Boys. What we're going to do here, and what I'm going to do here, is I'm going to give a brief summary. Yep. Of yeah, the contents this. of this novel, yeah, a little yeah. back of the book blurb. I've been through this 34 times now, man, over the last year. Yep. And then I'm going to put 60 seconds on. The big, big bad clock. The big bad clock. And who's going who's gonna to fill in the details? Me? All Tanner. Me? Yeah, yeah, it's you, buddy. Okay, that's enough of that. I will begin, unless you have any objections, sir. None stated. <laughs> now. Long before Logan strutted confidently into Marianne's life and swept her off her feet, there was Alex. Quiet, sensitive Alex, who laughed at her jokes, held her when she was sad, and lodged himself forever in her heart like an arrow. But that was long ago, and now there's Logan, handsome and powerful, cruel sometimes, but so bewitching, so enthralling. And he truly makes her happy. At least, that's what Marianne tells herself. Until she takes a trip to the beach and runs into Alex again, stirring up feelings she thought she'd buried deep in her past, and forcing her to make the hardest decision she's ever had to make. Long before Logan, there was Alex. But Alex never really went away. Marianne. It's pretty good. You only mentioned one of the many boys. <laughs> it's too many for Marianne. She yeah. like literally can't fucking handle it and bursts into tears throughout the entire many, of this many, novel. Many, many times. Many, yeah. <laughs> okay. 60 seconds of the big bad clock. Here we go. They go to Sun City, New Jersey. Okay, let me, intru- City. Let me, let me introduce it, this segment. Here's what I'm going to do. We've talked about it. I gave the broad strokes. Yeah, I'm going to give the... You're going to give the, the, the tight nitty, strokes. The tight strokes, the nitty gritty. Yeah. Are you ready, sir? Yep. Let's here's, begin. What I, here's what I want you to do. Okay. Go back to the episode mm-hmm. where we did Boy Crazy Stacy. Uh huh. Clip out me doing this then. Okay. And just put it in now. I absolutely will not. Okay. Like, and start. Okay. And put it in here. <laughs> this is a. This Ooh, is, what a roller coaster ride, huh? <laughs> Jeez Louise. That was such a good description that I just did. This book is very different from Boy Crazy Stacy. There is a complete role reversal. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. okay. All right, now you don't, you don't want me to impinge on your territory. I'm going to hit start on this clock. You're going to tell us what happened. Are yep. you ready? Yep. Let's begin right now. Essentially the same thing as Boy Crazy Stacy. Right. Except Marianne now has a boyfriend, Logan Bruno. Mm-hmm. So she feels a little guilty about continuing to be flirty with Al, uh, 
Alex. Flirty is an understatement. The cute boy who she met the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy is still in love with Toby, and they have a very hot and heavy romance, Summer Fling. Um, one of the Pike girls, Vanessa, falls in love with a little a boy at the ice cream shop called Chris, and she writes him poems. Uh huh. Love letters. Yeah. And, uh, wow. That's pretty much it. That's all the boys. And then Logan Bruna's back home. And then there's like some vignettes from back in Stony Brook, but we'll get into those later. Wow. Um, they go to Sea City, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then Alex and, and Marianne eventually tell each other that they have boyfriend and girlfriends, time. and Toby dumps wow. Stacy. He wants to <laughs> screw around with other people during That's, the school year. <laughs> that is literally true. Toby's one of the nice guys. Man, speaking of nice guys, this is how you do me, Stacy. One week after I say I'm okay with Stacy again, you oh, turn man. into a total monster maniac. Like, thanks for the reminder why I hated you in the first place, Stacy. Yeah. You're such an awful, awful human Stacey, being. Stacy, you're so. If you're listening to this, yeah, you are so fucking unreasonable. And I'm sorry to have to. Oh say Oh my it god, in those she's terms. so. She's the worst. It's, <sighs> Stacy was up to some antics this week, and I was like, this is. Oh god, okay. now I remember. So there's an issue of conflict resolution that comes up pretty early that. Stacy and Marianne go to Sea City as mother's helpers for the Pike family. And the Pike family is like, look, here's how it works. You each get a night off, but you can't take the same night off. Right. This causes a conflict when they run into their old fucking flames from Boy Crazy Stacy. Lo and behold, they're back again. Alex and Toby. Alex and Toby. The girls are like over the moon and they want to get that fire started up again. Right. And Stacey, Even Marianne, who. Has a boy at home. Immediately forgets about Logan. We'll get into that. Stacy organizes a date with Toby the next day without telling Marianne. And they get in their first big fight. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know, as a grown-up, I feel like the way to handle it is to be like, oh, there's a conflict. Let's flip a coin. Yeah. They you know, freak out. Can I tell you a similar experience from my own life oh, from recently? Yeah. I was trying to um, plan something with a close friend of mine, and I said, oh, like, when are you available next week? And he Mm -hmm. said, sorry, not available. I'm going to New Jersey for my annual beach vacation. Uh And I said, well, what about the obligation we have? And you said, just kind of, I'm sorry. (laughs) This friend said, he just kind of shrugged his shoulder. He's like, sorry, going to my beach vacation. How's that the same? Um, The person made plans without talking to me. (laughs) I just had to scramble to figure something out. There's, you know, several thousand people who... You're talking about me, right? And scheduling this podcast? Uh, uh, Oh, I guess, yeah. You want to have this out right now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) There, but for the grace of God, go you. (laughs) All right. Well, Baby Nation, wait till you hear the rest of the fucking story. Yeah. That happens. Uh Uh-huh. And then who graciously said, oh, no problem, man. Like, we'll record twice this week, and I'll light it this weekend. You're, you're fine. No, we're talking about Marianne and Stacey now. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happens. Yeah. And whatever. Stacey planned a night, and then Marianne is like, you can't go out with Toby because I need to go out with Alex tonight. They right. have a fucking fight. Right. And then Marianne graciously says, fine. And then Marianne... You go out, I'll stay home. Graciously fine. is like, all right, you go out, I'll yeah. stay home. Great. Then... The next night, yep. 
Stacy plans another fucking date with Toby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and she tries to play it off cool. Like yeah. Marianne's getting ready for her date and she's like, Stacy, can I borrow your red sundress? And Stacy's like, No, I need it. Yeah. She's like, For what? She's like, I'm going with Toby again tonight. Yeah. I knew you wouldn't mind. Yeah, you can just take two nights off next week. Right. Dude, Stacy. Fuck you. Yeah. No, it's fine, Tanner. We don't need to record next week. We'll just record two times this week. <laughs> Two days back to back. Well, the difference between you and me and Marianne and Stacy is you were like, oh, okay, okay, sir. <laughs> I did not call you sir. I was extremely accommodating, but I did not call you sir. Maybe Stacy and Marianne aren't really friends. I can't, like... Because we're friends, and yeah. I had time and i was like yeah no problem yeah we'll make it work maybe they're not friends this is the thing that comes up in these novels a lot and this book really drove it home for me it's like you can get along during the 30 minute babysitters meeting that you have every week where you're talking about your job right and then as soon as they're put in a room together any of the combinations of friends Someone is either crying or like slamming the door or creating a permanent rift in the friendship by doing some reprehensible bullshit. Yeah, I think that's true. Even like self-described best friends, Dawn and Marianne, like two books ago. They could barely fucking tolerate each other for more than five minutes at a time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. Maybe Marianne's the problem. I gotta say, actually, Claude and Stace don't fight. Christy and Marianne don't fight either. That's Frodo and Samwise. Oh, well, Frodo came up in this book. Frodo did come up many times. Yeah. Frodo, in this book, went on a mission. Yeah. Escaped from Hobbiton. Sure. And uh, made the long, dark walk. It's kind of a bad metaphor, because why would a hobbit ever want to escape from Hobbiton? Yeah. They're perfectly content there. Frodo's the name of the hamster. Yeah, Frodo's the name of the hamster. Yeah. The Pike family hamster, who they give to Jesse to take care of for the two weeks that they're gone. Squirt is learning about matching. He takes Frodo out of his enclosure and brings it upstairs to... The other hamster. Misty's enclosure. Yeah, because he wants everything that is the same to go together. That was one of the many vignettes. I want to talk a little bit about the hamsters while we're on the topic of the hamsters. Jesse Ramsey. Yeah. Babysitter. Madame Ramsey. Madame Ramsey is vaunted throughout Stony Brook for her skills as a pet sitter. She is the one who is going to take the babysitting business to the next level. She's like, oh, you think the returns on babysitting are good? With my pet sitting experience, look, I can't babysit nights, but I have pet sitting experience. I'm going to expand her business to an entirely new market Mm -hmm. without increasing overhead. She's bad at it, Sounds good. She's terrible at pet sitting. Her batting average is like 0%. She always loses a pet. Yeah. Like her slogan could be something like, I will sit your pets, guarantee that at least 80% will stay alive. (laughs) Conditional to number of pets you have. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Every time Jesse Ramsey is around a pet, one of the pets gets lost. Right. She lost a fucking snake. Right. She indulged a hamster orgy. And she almost did it again. She's grown up to be a little bit of a a mancusi. Yeah. Her... (laughs) Her weird hamster sex parties that she's always throwing. Yeah, that's a deep cut. Baby Nation, there's a novel called Jesse Ramsey Pet Sitter in which which the Mancusis. We've decided that they were breeding animals for (laughs) one of several purposes, 
A, eating them, B, creating Island of Dr. Moreau, like yeah. hybrid animal well, monsters. We, we had a, a baby bee, a baby mancusi right in. Yeah, there was a baby mancusi. She was said, like, not, not all mancusis. All, <laughs> not all mancusis. Uh, so. And I told her that's exactly what a pet brothel owner slash <laughs> meat farm slash Island of Dr. Moreau experiment Mancusi. Mad scientist Mancusi would say. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. Good hamster talk. Good hamster talk. The hamster's name Frodo and Misty. Frodo's a good name for a hamster. Yeah, Misty is a bad name for a hamster. While we're talking about the business. What was the name of Gandalf's horse? Uh, Shadowfax. Yeah. Cool. That cool. was fun. Cool. I, I thought felt- maybe it was Misty. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking back on it now, and that yeah. doesn't seem right. I'm sure in all of Rohan... There's probably one horse called Misty. Yeah. But she's not as fast as the other horses. Yeah. Yeah. I bet there's an elf called Misty. Maybe in like Robert Jordan. Yeah, that's true. Okay, good. Great. Good good stuff. If you want to hear more of our (laughs) fantasy podcast, (laughs) press one now. Yeah. Oh, the Misty Mountains. Yeah, I thought the Misty Mountains. So Frodo takes a trip to the Misty Mountains. Bilbo's the one who took a trip to the Misty Mountains. Yeah, but in this novel, Frodo <laughs> Frodo takes a trip to the Misty Mountains, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, too yeah. many boys. At, too many boys. Yeah, yeah, Including Misty. Frodo. Frodo's <laughs> one of the boys. Uh, three of the other boys, Yeah, Jack. You want to talk about boys. Are the Radowski brothers. Oh. <laughs> who come up in another vignette when Christy yeah. takes... Jackie, Archie, and Shay Radowski mm-hmm. to the local swimming pool for everything, some fun in the sun. Everything goes fine. Everything does not go fine because... Jackie Radowski is a walking disaster. Which brings us to my literal favorite segment in the whole show, and I wish we didn't have a show, and our show was just this, where yep. we talk about what Jackie Radowski's up to. <laughs> it's called... Tracking Jackie. Tracking Jackie. <laughs> that one doesn't have a it doesn't have a tense stutter stutter lead in. We have to go back, Kate. Can we say it together? <gasps> Tracking, Tracking Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> we have to go back. That's pretty good. Yeah, Jackie was up to some bullshit this week. Yeah. So it's your turn to say what the fuck happened to Jackie. I guess that means that it's my turn to tell new baby bees, catch them up on what the fuck is going on with Jackie Rudowski. Yeah, you do that. I'm gonna prepare my notes. Okay, good. Jackie Rudowski is a popular character in these novels, a young boy who is deeply accident-prone. Literally, anytime he does anything, he falls over, trips over his shoelaces, causes some calamity. He can't walk two paces without having an accident. What Tanner and I have discovered and what has been corroborated time after time in these novels by Anne Matthews Martin. First of her name, Stormborn. Stormborn. First of her name, last of her kind. Last Hope for Humankind, mm-hmm. and Matthews Martin, Stormborn, is that... Jack Rudowski of- is a time-traveling, timeless being who blips through time and has lived through every possible existence. Yeah, none of this is Jackie Rudowski's fault. What is actually happening is that Jackie Rudowski remembers the last thing that happened to him before he tripped, blips out of time into another place in time and lives an entire lifetime that is influenced by the last thing that he experienced and then blips right back into reality a second later. But because of that little scratch on the record, it causes him to fall over or drop something or run into a wall or whatever terrible things happen to Jackie Rudowski in these books. Right. It's deeply tragic. Right. So we're now going to describe what happened 
to Jackie Rudowski in this novel. And I guess it's your turn to fill in the details of what happened outside of the novel and outside of space and time. Right. So I need you to walk me through what happened to him in okay. this novel. Good. All right. So start us off. What happens? They so go they to go swim- to the local swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Before they can even get to the pool, Jackie decides that he is hungry. Right. Here's a quote. You're hungry already? Christy said doubtfully. Yes. Jackie rubbed his stomach as if he hadn't eaten in days. Blip to the future. <laughs> Distant future. The planet is Clendathu. Jackie is a private first class in the Terran Federation of Earth Space Marines. He's been cornered by the enemy. He's found his way into a deep cave on the planet of Clendathu, and he knows that there's no way out. He lies in wait for days for the patrols to end, and then he blips back. Okay, he blips back. The next scene, immediately after that. Ow! There's a long, drawn-out wail from Jackie. Christy is puzzled. He had a small red spot on his foot, but outside of that, he looked okay. And then she saw the dead bee. Stepped on a bee. Blip to the future. Jackie Rodowski's on the battlefields of Clendathu, not yet driven back into the caves. The arachnids and the bees are all around him. His fellow space marines are dropping like flies. He turns and he guns down an arachnid. He turns again, he guns down a beetle. He can win this fight. But just then, he feels a piercing pain in his lower back. He turns and he finds that a giant eight-foot bee has driven its stinger into him. He drops his gun and staggers. He looks to his left and sees a cave, and he runs for it. (sighs) Okay, so the next thing that happens in this scene is... They deal with his bee sting, and they take him to the stand where they're selling food, and Christy gives him some cash, and she's like, get a little food to cheer yourself up. Yeah. And he orders Mars bars, M&Ms, devil dogs, cheese doodles. Somewhere under the mess, she saw the cheeseburgers and fries that she had told him to order. And Christy has to go back, and she's like, I'm sorry, this is literally just for one person. He ordered like the entire menu at the concession stand. Please just ring up the burgers and fries. Clendathu is back. Jackie sits at the back of the cave. He's applied biogel to his wound. <laughs> the bees, watching him flee into the cave, have sealed off the entrance. He's trapped. He quickly makes it through all his rations and he begins to starve. <sighs> okay, we're back. Present day. Present day. Stony Brook, 1990. Jackie is standing in front of the counter. Christy! Jackie howled as she takes all of the stuff off of the tray of food that he's ordered. Yeah. And hands it back to the cashier and just gives him a tiny little thing of small fries. Right. He just looks at it sadly. The horror of an infinite universe in his eyes as he has to make do with a tiny little bit of fries to fill the gaping void inside him. But Christy feels pretty good about herself, and she's like, it's almost adult swim time, and then we're going to all go home. Right. Uh, So they start walking back to the locker. (laughs) Jackie has been trapped in this cave for days. He's not sure he'll ever see daylight again. He's starving to death. He's emaciated. He's so weak he can barely move. And then he hears it, the rumbling. The bees were going to starve him out, but they got sick of waiting. They didn't know that private first-class Jackie Kodowski <laughs> was going to be so resilient. So they sent in their last hope, the fire ants, to 
burrow into the cave. Jackie's lying in the back of the cave, waiting for his inevitable death. Out of the floor of the cave burst several massive fire ants. They train their clickers on him, and spewing from their mouth comes an organic flame that engulfs his body. We're back. We're back. 1990. We're back in America. We're back in Stony Brook. 1990, Stony Brook, Connecticut. Christy, she's sitting in the deck chair beside the pool. She's got her book. She's looking out at Archie and Shay, the two Radowski brothers, watching them frolic in the kiddie pool. Suddenly it dawns on her. Where's Jackie? Where'd he go? She looks around. Jackie was missing. Frantically, Christy scrambled to her feet and ran a few steps to the diving pool. The crowd had thinned out since lunchtime, and it was obvious that Jackie wasn't there. She dashed to the edge of the Olympic-sized pool. Jackie! She called. No sign of Jackie. They page him over the loudspeaker. No sign of Jackie. Klandathu, the distant future. Jackie Radowski, private first class with the Terran Federation of Planet Space Marines. Was a good soldier. (laughs) God, that's so sad. But as the flames consume him and his fiery red hair grows even more fiery, he can't help but think back on everything he left behind back on Earth and his friends and family in Stony Brook, Connecticut. In the end, it was Shay who found him. Here he is, Shay said triumphantly. He was leading a puzzled-looking Jackie to the lifeguard station. Jackie's just, like, got this, like, thousand-yard stare. <laughs> yeah, you would, too. Boy, are you gonna get it, he said happily to his brother. Where were you? Christy blurted out. Her voice was so quavery she barely recognized it. Even Jackie looked surprised. I was taking a shower. I wanted to get some of that chlorine out of my hair. He was looking back at the lifeguard who was going back to his post. Were you guys actually worried about me? <laughs> yeah, we were worried about you, Jackie. Who knows where you go, man? Ugh. What do you think? Is that a good tracking Jackie? Oh, it's the best tracking Jackie. It makes me so sad for him. He's lived a million lifetimes. Well, here's what I'm worried about now, too, worlds. man. I think he's died a million deaths. Yeah. I think he's felt the pain of every death. He's been ground up. He's expired peacefully in his sleep. He's been burned to death by space ants. He's felt the moment the guillotine (laughs) bit into his neck in 18th century France. And yet he's still batting like 300 for Christie's Crushers. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Well, can we talk about the elephant in the room? Jackie Rudowski stepped out of time mm-hmm. and stepped on a bee. Yeah, a bee. On yeah, a, a bee. bee, Tanner. Yeah. What is she saying? What's she trying to tell us? I don't know. I don't know what she's saying. What is she saying? Here's what I've got off the top of my head. Anne Matthews Martin is not, as we know, the benevolent overseer of these lives that we would want her to be. Yeah. I think she wants what's best for these people, but... She has made some weird choices that they might not make for themselves, such as trapping them inside time. That was those jackal lawyers at Scholastic. Yeah. Oh, you think? They were putting the screws on. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, hello, Scholastic Lawyers. We know you're listening. Fuck off. All 12 of you. Yeah. F- uh, allegedly. Bullfrog off. Allegedly. Go bullfrog yourselves. <laughs> allegedly. I'm going to start telling people outside of the context of this podcast to go bullfrog themselves. <laughs> Good. Good. Uh Okay, well, so Anne M. Martin, under pressure, baby bees who maybe haven't listened to earlier episodes, Anne M. Martin, under pressure from the scholastic lawyers, decided after book nine, in book ten, that these girls could not age any yeah. longer. I guess if, maybe we should just call that, maybe aging. let's call it Amber Theory. Amber Theory is exactly right. That these girls, after book ten, although they aged from book one to ten, became trapped in Amber from book 10 to 130 so that the scholastic lawyers could get their fucking filthy lucre out of these books the, by keeping these girls... The blood 13. dripping from their jaws. Yeah. They're in a goblin's nest. That's point oh, one here. my Alex Jones impression. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It was, it was way too measured. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, was like, it was like Alex Jones after like five clonopin in a valley. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's point one, yep. right? Yep. These girls are trapped in amber. They can't escape time. Right. Point two, they're bees. We know that. <laughs> not even a point. We don't need to go into Just that. Just take We're not going to go into Guess that. Guess what? They're also breathing oxygen. Right. Not a point. Yeah. We're not going to tell you why you're baby bees if you haven't read these books, and we're not going to tell you baby bees why they're bees. Right. But these girls are bees. Right. That's, it's just obvious to anyone who's read obvious. these books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point number three, Jackie Radowski in these books, can step outside of time. Mm-hmm. And when he steps outside of time, which Anne Matthews Martin, in her wisdom or in her malice, has decreed is illegal in Stony Brook because time has stopped. He steps on a bee. Yeah, the bees are lashing out against him. When he tries to escape, the bees fight back. Mm-hmm. And was just going like you know how sequels they they want to try to recapture some of the magic of the original yeah property they just they want to do the original and they just want to do it bigger and better this is like a greatest hits anthology yeah we've got Jackie Radowski mm-hmm. we've got bees right here's a passage yeah Dawn's mother moved to Stony Brook from California after her divorce last year she bought a house for herself Dawn and Jeff but not just any house a farmhouse that is so old it's practically historic landmark it was built in 1795 and has an outhouse a barn and an old smokehouse it looks like a large creepy dollhouse doll theory Mm -hmm. the kind of place that a ghost would love to call home (laughs) and probably does dawn is a ghost (laughs) so we've got two more classic hits there yeah like Anne's just running through them right yeah. How about this one, Jack? Mm-hmm. We've got all our factions. We've okay. got the bees. Yep. Got the dolls. We got the got ghosts. The ghosts. Mm-hmm. Who are we missing? We're missing the witches, and we're missing the demons. The we're demons. Missing... Oh, interesting. Here's a hand-penned letter mm-hmm. Marianne sent to Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pike kids are really excited to be back in Sea City, and so am I, even though I miss all of you and a certain person with the initials L.B., Yep. Does that jump out at you? LB at all? Logan Bruno? Close. Close. Um, You speak ancient languages, right? Uh, A lot of Greek and Latin. Oh, Greek. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what the Greek word um, 
Heosphoros means? Uh, bringer, a bringer of light. Yeah, light bringer. So the light bringer, LB. Whoa. You know who's called the light bringer? You know whose Wikipedia page I'm on right now that says his name in Greek is the light bringer? Lucifer. <gasps> Lucifer. Wow. LB, light bringer? Lucifer is the shining one, the light bearer, the light bringer, or the bringer of light. Well, and so this makes so much sense. Marianne gets out of Stony Brook for a second. She manages to escape. And the influence of Logan slowly is wearing off. Right. Right? The light bringer, like, she can't see she that. She won't light even anymore. say his name. She won't even, she won't say even his acknowledge name. his position. She as goes, and like, this, like, when she first runs into Alex. She doesn't even mention Logan at all. She's talking to Stacy. She's like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited to see Alex. Like, I've I've carried this torch for him all this time. Like, I hope we go on a date. I hope we are together forever." Yeah. And, and like, it's as if Logan is gone. His light is no longer influencing her. Right. She's out of Stony Brook. She's shaking herself free. Yeah. And she can see the future that she could have had right. if she wasn't trapped by it. Snake in the grass. Snake in the grass. Logan Bruno, the light bringer. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And the hits just keep coming with old Ann M. Martin. Mm-hmm. The only people not represented here are the witches. Yeah. Uh, I tried to find some significance in uh, Marianne and Alex got stargazing mm-hmm. one evening. Yeah. At the beach. And he points out seven sisters, an alternate name for the Pleiades yeah. system. And I thought maybe there was some significance there. Yeah, you're damn right there fucking is. Is he, that maybe the witches? No, dude. The, <laughs> no, come on. Okay. Like, do you know, do you, like, how many of these books have you read? 34. You, you, don't, you haven't learned how to read these texts yet? Alex looks up at the sky. He looks into the starry void. Yeah. And what he sees is something that he can never attain, that he will never get any closer to. And it is the Seven Sisters. It's something that is beyond his comprehension and beyond his scope. The Seven Sisters are the seven babysitters in Stony Brook. Oh, boy. That's what he sees. And he realizes, even though he's there with Marianne right now, that that's a fleeting moment. That's never going to last. Their love can never be because the Seven Sisters need to be together. They have work to do in Stony Brook. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the seven are one, but they're not one in fucking Sea City, New Jersey. You can cheat on Logan all you want, but Logan's going to pull you back, and not in a good way because you need to fight him. And the seven need to be one to get rid of that influence. Yeah, I buy it. Good? I buy it. Uh, let me ask you a question. Please do. Did you, sir, this week mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. a... <gasps> Bird of the week. Yeah, I have a few. Good. Yeah, it was a pretty burn-heavy book. Well, you get those pike triplets involved. Yeah, there's always bound to be some burns. Yeah. Um, I can either do one from the pike triplets, mm-hmm. or one from. Mr. Pike. I can do a dad joke on oh. Mr. Pike. <laughs> I like Mr. Pike. Okay. <laughs> They're all getting ready to leave Sea City, New Jersey. Uh-huh. They're packing up. Yeah. They're all feeling a little glum. Vacation's over. They're headed back to Stony Brook. 
Mr. Pike was cooking an early breakfast while I helped Mrs. Pike clean out the refrigerator. How about the pantry? She said to Stacy, who was opening cabinet doors all over the kitchen. It's almost bare, Stacy said. So far, all I've found are some stale potato chips, a piece of bubble gum, and three Oreo cookies. She peered at something moving on one of the shelves. Yuck, and a few ants. Don't have to pack those, Mr. <laughs> Pike said. Yeah, pretty good. He was probably like, you motherfuckers. I'm sorry that there are ants in this beach house that I have rented for 12 fucking people. Yeah. But we're leaving and we're getting in the car and do not fucking sass me right now. Yeah. <laughs> you little shit. Oh, sorry I invited you to Sea City, New Jersey, <laughs> Stacy. Yeah. Pack the fucking ants. Don't pack the ants. Just get in the fucking car. And Jackie Rudowski somewhere is just like, no, 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 no. Oh, God, not the ants. Yeah. That's my burn of the week. It's good. Kind of dad joke of the week, but. I have one other one. Can I read it? Okay. Marianne and Alex are out at dinner. Oh, I had this one. (laughs) And she finally admits to him that she has a boyfriend back home, Logan. And he says, oh, I have something to admit to you. I have a girlfriend back home, too, he said casually. That's nice, I said. What is? That you have a girlfriend, and I have a boyfriend. Alex looked at me and burst out laughing. What's so funny, I asked. I can't believe we're having this conversation, can you? I started laughing. Not really. It sure beats hearing about your pitching arms, though. Because <laughs> yeah. they're having such awkward conversations because they're both so afraid to admit to the other that they have spouses back home. Yeah. And then Marion starts to cry. Yeah, of course. Um, We're burning through segments? We are burning through segments. <laughs> Are you making fun of me, or did you just stop paying attention to me and repeated me in a, a, a silly voice? The latter. <laughs> uh, no, I was looking through my notes, seeing if I had anything else. Uh, I again. I think Marianne is being controlled by the toxic masculine. The patriarchy is back. It's another hit. It's another classic Anna Martin hit in this book. This book. I is... think it relates to her small talk. At one point she says, Alex nodded politely, but I knew he was bored and he must be thinking I'm incredibly boring. And it's like, he's not saying anything either, Marianne. This isn't on you. You don't have to impress this boy. Fuck that. This boy's a fucking idiot. Fuck him, Marianne. This novel is called Marianne and Too Many Boys. Right. If that is not a description of the patriarchy in action... I don't know what it is. He's got to impress you, Marianne. You don't have to impress him. You know how many boys there are in this book that Marianne has to interact with? Essentially just one. And that's too fucking many. Yeah. That's too many. Yeah. Just get him out of here. Get out, get out of here. Get Alex. out of here, Alex. Go home. You're Go home scrub. and fucking pitch for your dumb baseball team. Yeah. Show off for the girls back home. That's not going to work on a class act like Marianne. Marianne. She needs something more. Yeah. Um, let me ask you another question, my okay. friend. Did you have a... (gasps) (laughs) Tearful moment! Yeah, I did. Okay, good, because I didn't, but I feel justified in not personally having any moments that made me cry because I was trying to keep up with every goddamn moment that Marianne had. Marianne cries when Dawn flies to California. She cries when they breakfast. She cries when they dinner. Yep. She cries at Vanessa, who yep. is writing poems for a boy, and the yep. boy thinks that it's Mal. That was sad. Uh, and that is my tearful moment. I made it through this entire book without yeah. capturing a tearful moment. I was like, guess I'm just not capturing a tearful moment this week. Yeah. And then the very last paragraph, the very last page. 
Gotcha. Vanessa feels awful because Chris thinks that it's Mal who's interested and has been writing these poems. So Vanessa schemes to write one final poem for Chris where she says to him, I'm still deeply in love with you, but I'm going home tomorrow and I'll never see you again. We'll always have this summer. Yeah. Which Marianne helps her scheme to do. Right. And they get that behind them. And then Marianne is home and she's unpacking and she's telling Don all about Vanessa's struggles. Mm-hmm. And Don says, So do you think Vanessa is over her broken heart? I'm sure of it. She handled it very well. I'm proud of her. I reached for a pile of t shirts and something white caught my eye. A piece of notebook paper was tucked between my shirts. It was a poem from Vanessa. And my eyes missed it over as I read it. Typical. <laughs> Dear Marianne, love can hurt, love can sting, a broken heart can never sing. Boys will come, boys will go, but a friend is forever, this I know. A friend is rare and hard to find, everyone knows it's true. You helped me through a very bad time, I'll always be grateful to you. Yeah. Thank you, Marianne love Vanessa yes I said softly <laughs> I think Vanessa will be just fine <laughs> I saw that as well I read the beginning of that poem and I was like same exact reaction as you uh-huh. this whole book was completely absent tearful moments uh-huh. but here comes one and then she fucks the fucking scansion up right at the end of the poem no it's a different kind it's A A B B C D C D what kind of poem is that it's like half of a Petrarchan sonnet. Well, she's eight, Jack. <laughs> she's nine. <laughs> I think A, A, B, B, C, D, C, D is pretty good. I think half of a Petrarchan sonnet Actually, is Petrarchan, not bad. Petrarchan is A, B, B, A, C, D, D, C. No, don't look it up. C D C D, you want to know? Yeah, you know what? It worked really well I for found that. It. Would have been a villanelle. It's a fifteen ten alternating poetry form. That's not a thing. Yes, it is. That's not a thing. A poem where fifteen syllable stanzas, which begin with an anapest foot and having a couplet rhyme, alternating with ten syllable iambic stanzas with cross rhyme. What's the first word? The rhyme the pattern is a a b b c d c d. What's the first word of her poem? Let's see if it's a fucking anapest. Love. Nope. What is an anapest? An anapest is the opposite of a dactyl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What is a dactyl? The long, long, short. The anapest is short, short, long. Love can hurt. Love can hurt. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, we'll give it to you, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry you're not sophisticated to understand a... Sophisticated enough to see a 1510 alternating poetry form when you, <laughs> one bites you in the ass, Jack, but... Ugh. You're going to have to trust the poetry expert, Vanessa Pike, here. Now I'm having a tearful, a delayed (laughs) tearful moment. This is the second time that Vanessa Pike in our our podcast history has has gotten you. Yeah. Brutal. All right. We've gone through our segments. We've talked about the hamsters. We've talked about literally everything. Let's go home to our wives. You're already home with your wife. I have a couple of little loose ends I want to tie up. Before okay, we're just going to cut them. It's uh, 10 o'clock. We're just going to cut them. Don's mom yep. is into some more f- refrigerator play this week. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> she definitely is. What does she leave in there? She doesn't appear. Like, she only appears at the beginning of the novel. Don, I guess it's Don and Marianne's mom yeah. now. Marianne's stepmom. And Marianne just says, Last week, I found the grocery list with a pencil still attached in the refrigerator and yeah. a very ripe tomato in the coupon drawer. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's both Don's yeah. mom being into refrigerator play yeah. and Richard Spear being into tomato play. <laughs> Once again, he's into yeah. these weird things called tomatoes. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. They're going at it. Like, yeah. Marianne and Don were out, like, having a slumber party at, at Christie's house. And, like, Mr. and Mrs. Spirit, newlyweds, yeah. were like, time for time for something. The kitchen is covered in discarded clothes, <laughs> and there's well-used tomatoes everywhere. And there's a shopping list in the fridge, and it says, lube yeah, and just more tomatoes. And it's <laughs> underlined five times. <laughs> well, I'm glad they're happy. Yeah, I'm glad they're happy in it. I say it with no judgment. But they seem so bad for one another. Yeah, but they're so when right. it comes to their <laughs> their proclivities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time it was what was it? A high heel in their vegetable drawer. Oh yeah. Mr. Spear was like scrambling to get the tomatoes and like get her clothes off at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that's where it ended up. She's like, put me in the fridge. Put me in the fridge. <laughs> Woo. Good. Good. <laughs> Um, that's all I wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, you have anything else you wanted to bring up before we bring things to a close? Oh, wait a second. What? Next week's book. Mm-hmm. This week, we're at Babysitter's Club number 34, Marianne and Too Many Boys. Mm-hmm. Next week, we'll be reading Babysitter's Club number 35, Stacy and the Mystery of Stony Brook. True. We've had a role reversal. Yeah, it's normally... Marianne usually has the mystery books. Stacy usually has the boy crazy books. Wow, that is such a fucking good point. The way that this book speaks to boy crazy Stacy, part of the echo of it is that Marianne takes on a lot of the roles that Stacy took on in Boy Crazy Stacy. She goes boy crazy. Yeah. Stacy, even though she has a failed romance with a boy, is essentially boy sensible in this book. Right. So they've switched. And next week she's going to be terrorized by paranormal forces in Babysitter's Club number 35, Stacy and the Mystery of Stony Brook. Yeah. Maybe Marianne is going to go to New York and Sure, and maybe maybe Lane. Maybe Christy will become a boy magnet. Oh man. Or maybe Claudia will become a poor dresser. Don's going to stop being super chill. Don will probably move back to California, am <laughs> no, I right? No, that's not going to happen. Okay. In terms of Christy being a boy magnet, Anna Martin in the happy reading section at the end of this book threw some cold water on Christy and Bart. Uh, she's talking about, like, it's okay if you don't have a boyfriend if you're 13. The truth is, many kids feel comfortable being a friend instead of a boyfriend or girlfriend, like Marianne and Alex ended up. Or Christy and Bart. Literally last week, they were, like, looking into each other's eyes. Sure. I don't think all of these girls need to constantly. You're, you, God, you're such a, you're such a man, dude. You're such a man. All these girls got to be married off right away, huh? That's what you think. <laughs> I'm fine with some of them being the free house. agents. You know, I want Christy to grow up and be like a sports superstar. I want her to be the first woman to play for the MLB. All right. Well, maybe that'll happen. Not if, not if the Jack Shepherds of this world have anything to say about it. <laughs> I want her married off to Bart Basher, and I want her to be a housewife. <laughs> Names up Bart Basher. <laughs> um, listen, we're going to wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, I've been Jack Shepard. 
You've been Tanner Greenring. I've been Tanner. See, that's let what me it say feels my, like when someone says the thing that you let say, me say that my you name. normally say. That's what it feels like when somebody says, You're angry that oh, I this said week what we the next read book this was? thing. Next week yeah. we're going to read next yeah. thing. That's what it feels like. I've been Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. Ta- God damn it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what we're reading next week because Tanner already fucking said it. But please do like the show on iTunes. Rate, please. And, rate and subscribe. Rate and, and subscribe. Review. It's a four-step system. Yeah. Like, subscribe, rate, review. review. Thank you, Scott Lamb, for our theme song. Thank you, Super Rat, for our outro. Claudia is wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Cat just jumped up onto your shoulder <laughs> and is like hanging on for dear life. Yeah. We call it gargan. What is that? Like gargoyling. It's it's hard to pay attention. I can I just take a picture for the she baby nation? She would do it to you too. I'm gonna take a picture for the baby nation. Yeah. In case you don't believe me, check out our Babysitters Club Club Facebook page. She would do this to you if you invited her. Yeah, this is I, all she wants in the world. I would like it. No Jenkins this week, baby nation. Now yeah. we've got Meg Green Ring, the cat. <laughs> yep, uh, baby nation. Meet Meg. You can hear her purring in the Should background there. Yeah, hold her up. Hold her up to the mic. We purr into the mic. She's not really a purr. Yeah, well, she's lovely. <laughs> <laughs>